Oh, hey, Alice. Good timing. You uh, stopped by right as Barry got here. Barry Donegan from Look What I Did. You remember him from last time. Uh, thanks for being here, Barry. Why, thank you for inviting me and having me once again. Absolutely. You're always welcome at this table. Um, and you are working on a new record right now. And you also have a show coming up with Flummox and Isolation Tank Ensemble at a basement April 1st. And it's not a joke. It's not an April Fool's joke. It is what not I an April Fool's, which is unfortunate coincidence because we did have to cancel our last show which was a 20th anniversary show so it might look like this is like another you know <laughs> not good timing for April Fool's to be the next show but you know what I'm saying we're doing this but, but it's it's really happening Alice so don't be late it's a very important date so um yeah that's that's exciting um yeah the um what record number will this be like for you guys when it is released? I want to say six. Okay. I think it's number six. I mean, one was an EP, but there was a rock opera in there. So I think rock opera plus, plus an EP equals two albums, right? And, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you know, rock opera is like a concept album. You say that's an album. I'd count that as an album. It just had so many lyrics and it was so long. Right. So, I want to get one and a half albums. There you go. <laughs> It's an extended play, like you know, an extended play should be. <laughs> and we include a playbill and like it has staging. You can make it into an actual production. Hey. Most people's rock operas are just songs with a theme. We we took it that little extra mile. You know what I'm saying? Hey. You're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. I mean, you know, that's yeah, the philosophy. Correctly. Otherwise, why in the hell did you right. do it? Yeah. It's um it's good to have distractions that are positive because we're bombarded with distractions all the time that are not positive and divide us. And uh, it's good to have somewhere to go where like, um, like everyone can congregate over something like music. Like um, growing up, I got that energy from like church and it's got a very similar atmosphere uh, going to live music. It's very like uh, there's something spiritual about it. Everyone can come together. On those days when everyone is coming together, which is the responsibility of the artist to kick enough ass to enable the room to come together. Because if you don't, you will have a divided room full of people who are mad that somebody's playing that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for my friend's band to get up there. Who are these guys? Right. But, you don't you want know. That. Or, or there's also gangs and clicks and music. yeah i mean we had a long period of time where we were touring with the straight edge when that was going on and when it was not just like some people making some individual decisions not to do drugs and shit it was more like people in gangs like on steroids like beating up small children and stuff right 31. it was not a good look but <laughs> or there would be not <laughs> you know, that happened in the like late 90s and stuff like that but you know maybe we'll see a less divided time at shows right now because people who go to them at all are probably looking for that you know what i mean i, I think i think the gravitational effect of everything being shut down by the time everything opened up you know 
I noticed uh, Springwater had posted something about, you know, stopping their um, requirements for allowing people in and they would leave it up to the bands and the responses were great, except like one response was, I can't remember what it was, but it was like one word and saying, you know, that's not good or bummer or something like that. And then they just got reamed because everybody was like, I don't care. I'm so sick of waiting for a show, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think we reached a point where, you know, like we had a novel pandemic at the very beginning. Nobody knew what in the hell the disease was going to do, what it was capable of. So I could see, you know, a kind of a hysterical reaction at the very beginning, but then it kind of became about something else, almost like everybody got agoraphobia and had FOMO at the same time. They didn't want to miss out on something, but they didn't want to go to anything. So they just wanted everything to be canceled. And like, I think a lot of that has turned into a, a huge segment of people with agoraphobia. I think shows will be smaller for a while, but I think there will be a crowd at them that is a good crowd for them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I've already seen a couple of shows here recently that like we're pulling sizable crowds. Like I think we're, um, we're, we're on to the next distraction. Now we can move on yeah. from the last distraction. But I think a lot of people are left with agoraphobia forever. Mm. You know, like yeah, it like is kind of damaging. Like a historic world history never happened before. You know, just people that you know, just in my training business, I notice like I'm dealing with a lot of people coming to me who are like they've never even been out of shape before, and they're like 50 pounds overweight because of the pandemic or something. And like that's not real motivating to socialize. You know what I'm saying? Like. I do think we're we're living through some strange times. I think it's something along the lines of like the 18 mid 1800s where there's just like a huge change in technology at the same time that there's a huge change in power who has power and then as a result there's like a really chaotic period of like reorganizing everything across all society. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it it does have a lot to do with technology. And a lot of that's based around energy, you know? Yeah. Everything takes energy. Even a battery takes the energy that comes out of either coal, you know, some kind of fossil fuel, something that's being produced. Although it's getting a lot more efficient. And like, yeah. you know, our populations around the world is exploding and in adopting more advanced technology, we're having less of an impact on the world and we're draining less of the world to do that by the year. You know, like nobody gives enough credit to the scientists that have figured that shit out and really if people would embrace shit like nuclear energy we wouldn't have to worry about it. we'd have so much power right but i mean it's the thing with like the nuclear bomb or whatever it's right. not the same technology as a nuclear bomb i've always said you know fukushima is was a bad placement it's not necessarily a bad selection of energy it's just a, you don't put a nuclear reactor that close to the ocean but yeah. at the same time, like the, the the harm from it i think is super exaggerated yeah compared to and like nobody talks about what a coal plant meltdown looks like right coal meltdowns are incredibly destructive they have almost as much radiation there's one in new jersey that's still on fire underground 30 years later yeah yeah that's a burn they think it's about to go out i read but you know yeah it's there's it's always town, been there's a town out there that it's burning underneath and they literally have like one or two residents literally still that 
man, like, you know, just didn't leave because you, I, nobody could live are there. Are you talking about the ghost town in uh, Philly? I think so. And it's, there's, you know, there's smoke and smoldering coming yeah, out of the like ground. it's like still on fire. Place. Yeah. It looks like hell. It's, it's an old, yeah. old. And when you look back at um, Chernobyl, which was the really bad nuclear plant meltdown, it was run by the Soviets and the Soviets have communism. And the problem with communism, which I think there was a lot of communism influenced political influencers who have been in control of like the media narrative in the United States for a couple of years. The problem you see with communism, which is kind of like the problem we had during the pandemic, is that if you work at Chernobyl and something wrong is being done by the people above you who are the, you know, the champions of communism or whatever technically compared to you in their hierarchy, if you complain about something dangerous being done, you're going to be killed yeah. or the gulag. There's not, no whistleblowers in communism. That's why Chernobyl epically melted down on a level that no other plant would ever do again. We don't have that kind of government with nuclear plants going right now anywhere in the world. So, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been my understanding for a long time that, I mean, they don't teach you this in school or anything, but nuclear energy is by far like exponentially. So the cleanest energy. Um, yeah. There's <laughs> very little waste and it, it's just exponential like you're you're taking atoms and you're turning it into enormous uh volumes of energy <laughs> so you just get so much more you don't have to use up nearly as much that's basically like a steam generator that you never have to burn anything because that that um radioactive material is continually boiling that water it's just that water is highly radioactive and that steam is too and that's the big worry is that if they vent off wrong, you know, but it's like you're saying, you know, compared to what gets dumped into the atmosphere from plastic plants and petrol. And I mean, people talk about oil. It's not so much the gasoline that's the issue with polluting. It's the manufacturing of everything out of um, petroleum. You know, if we, if we could get off of petroleum based materials, running petroleum-based gasoline wouldn't be a problem. People don't realize our military uses more gasoline than our population. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of big vehicles, yep. you know, and they have a lot more. Um, it's odd. We have over 800,000 people, did you know, in the United States with special clearance for national security purposes that work for the government? That's a lot. Either. I mean, uh, that's just insane. Like, that's how many people have like information they're allowed to know. Now, they may not all be allowed to know the same information. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to know certain secret information, and like, there's that much of it going on. I mean, that's one problem. I think Trump's presidency really exposed is that we have the deep state. Um, you know, that's legit. The problem is you have appointees that have been appointed by like. <laughs> eight presidents ago and nobody even knows that they're even working there and they have enormous power and i think since trump was like definitely not a part of the like buddy boy system they already had going on they were just immediately against it and a lot of them kind of turned against the president in a way that you know whatever you think about trump i'm just saying in terms of the presidency is like legit treasonous by the books you know what I mean? They're in there, like, right. trying to, like, expose private, secret information, confidential government information, so that it makes the president look bad. 
much of which is false and was leaks. You know what I mean? Like Trump did all kind of stuff that was wrong, but all this stuff like he's getting peed on by these Russian girls and whatever. I mean, there was just enormous horseshit that was being. It, it went back to how I said, it's like, you know, show me something that I give a damn about I'm doing wrong. Yeah, it's like no one like why does anyone give a fuck that Bill Clinton got his dick sucked? That's totally just a propaganda campaign to keep stories away from the fucking child trafficking and shit like that. Yeah, I'm I'm more worried about him letting China in the World Trade Organization. They don't talk about that. Or the um, bombing campaign. Um, Did you ever see that old Ron Paul video where they asked him about? Monica Lewinsky when it was happening, right? Because he was in Congress. I don't think so. If you put it in context of like 9-11 and where he was right before 9-11, he basically predicted 9-11 in the actual question. But they they said, um, would you support the impeachment proceedings? And he said, I don't support. He's like, I don't care about the Monica Lewinsky scandal. But in light of the bombing campaign on iraq without congressional approval um and the sanctions on iraq which are going to provoke a terrorist attack against the united states i do support articles of impeachment with low enthusiasm because they're not about what i want them to be about you know what i mean that was what his answer was right and then immediately that was what osama bin laden cited as his grievance when he performed the 9-11 attack i mean ron paul called it in advance we could have just not had that even happen we listened in and been like why are we bombing iraq again in 1999 like what's the point of this you know they weren't they weren't this was like not we had, during, to, we had to spread democracy but we had already been at war with them and like won it and it was over and then we just start bombing them and running these sanctions because of these alleged things he's doing to his own people or something we heard. That's the thing is like 99% of the time when you hear these like, oh, these guys doing something horrible to his own people. Like you can say the same thing about the U.S. president to the U.S. people. You know, you can always like pick and choose like certain things that are not going well in their country, like an incident where the cops killed somebody or whatever. And you can use that and say that the person's doing all this, whatever. And it's always propaganda. Like you always get this Hitler narrative. Like it's, it's fair to you see when you see what Saddam Hussein was keeping to like ISIS, Al Qaeda, he was keeping all that stuff bottled up. We were not hearing about that stuff. It was not happening. Men take Saddam out. Those, those things are just loose, like Pandora's box, killing everybody, but doing videos, chopping everybody's heads off. Like none of that happened when Saddam Hussein was over there. So whatever the hell he was doing was containing that. And it's like he may have been doing some abusive stuff. I don't know. But, I mean, he's dealing with ISIS and all this other stuff. I don't know what in the hell is going on over there. It's not a, a lot of times we end up leaving a power vacuum. You know, CIA will be bop in and put in a puppet government. It's like Afghanistan. You know, and the minute they dip out, then everybody's like, nobody's running this shit. And nobody's even thinking about who's running it. Everybody ran. And so you awesome. got. Taliban's going to take over. Here's one way of looking exactly. at that. Imagine, okay, the United, the United States has been conquered by China, right? And, and when they talk about the people that worked with us to help us against the Taliban, so that would be like the people that worked with China here locally to help stop. 
Now you look at the Taliban and think of that as like redneck dudes all over the South with guns, right? <laughs> they would become a Taliban or whatever. I'm not trying to call my, I mean, I consider right. my redneck dudes. A, hypo- a hypothetical, Alice. Yeah. yeah. I'm not calling them the Taliban, but I'm saying the Taliban is composed of your hard, of your right wing local people with guns. And those people have been in every war since ever. And they live in the mountains. There's no way you can be more nationally centered minded people. They're more likely to be nationalist. Well, yeah, I mean, they've been fighting for their freaking lives against empires for literally their entire existence. So and these are the ones in the mountains. So they're kind of like the people we have in the in the uh, what's the Appalachian mountain Mm -hmm. region, right? Like they're kind of like if you took the Appalachian people and you put them in a nonstop war that never ended that they've survived. You know what I mean? Where they're right. like the, they're like the LeBron James of like guerrilla warfare, all these <laughs> right? So you have America there, and you've got some traitors to their country that are helping us, and we're the people who are occupying the country for twenty years. And when they leave, like you got to think from the Afghanistan people's viewpoint, the Taliban were the good guys. America was the bad guys. The people that worked with America are traitors to them that tried to get them killed and tried to expose crimes that they that were not even crimes that they were doing in the eyes of the American invaders. Like that's the reality from the Afghanistan perspective. That's the problem with foreign policy is nobody, everybody thinks about it from their weird nationalist perspective that's totally yeah. developed by propaganda. They don't think about what is it like, you know, we don't think about what is it like for Putin with what we've done with putting a right-wing dictatorship in control of Ukraine that's pro-NATO in a place where they're doing ethnic cleansing against Russians and Ukraine and, and, uh, and Hungarians and all kinds of other groups, African-American or African Ukrainians, uh, not Americans. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They're LGBT, they're doing ethnic cleansing pretty much there. And this is next door. And now they're getting ready to team up with NATO and put a bunch of nukes aimed at Moscow from like a hundred, yards away in a former soviet base i mean it's just like it's and the whole thing that nato is is just an anti-russia nuclear alliance run by the united states it doesn't have a purpose so it would be like if there was an anti-america nuclear pact between like japan germany italy and like all of europe and now mexico they put in a coup and they made one of the Mexico um, cartels take over the government and become the official government. And that cartel is anti-American and wants to join that alliance. And then they're going to put nuclear weapons in Juarez, Mexico. <laughs> and, name it, and name it the new Alamo. We would be over the border killing everything until that was not happening. I mean, that's just the reality of what you would do if you're, you know, we, especially Putin, he tried to look like a tough guy. So we're sitting here provoking him by making him, you know, so cornered that, you know, it's like taking a big, dangerous, angry dog that's been fed gunpowder and then just trying to surround it and trap it in a corner without food. I mean, it's like, what do you expect? I'm not justifying at all what Putin mm-hmm. is doing. He's just a, another psychopathic politician, like trying to boost his resume by killing people. But the, you know, smart foreign policy. Honestly, I think what Trump was aiming to do, which was to get rid of NATO and to normalize relations with Russia, would have prevented this. And if Ukraine were allowed to go back 
it's funny that whole thing they tried to go after Trump on, which was like that phone call with the Ukrainian president. It's because Biden and his son have been getting paid off and have been, you know, in, through foreign policy with the CIA overthrowing that that Ukrainian um, elected government in 2014 through a coup. Like that legitimately was a form of corruption that was happening. Hunter Biden was getting paid off by Burisma, that Ukrainian uh, oil company mm-hmm. in exchange for special favors through Biden. I mean, it it was something that needed to be investigated as a crime. And the fact that Biden just happened to be running for president, according to the media, even though he hadn't announced yet, was definitely not interfering in an election. That's such a vague way of like, coming to that conclusion but it was like rhetorically called that and through calling it that it got the credibility of being considered that by the media and it became sort of a true fact in the mind of everyone like i'm not a big trump you know there's a lot of trump policies i don't agree with but his foreign policy in the general most of the time i agreed with i mean it was great it was the best we've had in 40 50 years i think that's the stuff they're they're dragging through the mud about you know I think he was a nationalist, among other things, you know, I think he actually cared about the country. Uh, like you said, I don't wait that sucks too, like the border stuff, like being obsessed with like, you know, Latino people coming over the southern border. I feel like that's um, if we just don't offer anything free and if there's a job here that they're trying to work that nobody else is trying to do, like, why would we prevent that? That's just insane. You know what yeah. I mean? And for them, it's awesome. They make all kind of money and they can send it back home and develop the community and whatever. But like the, but where it came to the United States in the world, yeah. But he's like, we're focused on the United States. We're not focused on becoming, you know, trying to be president of the new world order or whatever anymore, you know? And I don't really think he was interested in doing this whole, like, let's go invade Vietnam and set their politics straight. Let's go invade Ukraine and like set this out, like stop Putin and get involved. Like, I don't really think he was about, he would have done that. Like, even if this whole Ukraine thing had happened, he wouldn't have gone about it like this exactly. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. It didn't happen during his brewery. It's because, like, he was not a – like, you look at Trump, what he did on foreign policy, if I was president, I would do the same thing. You need to be personally a little bit crazy, like, like perceived a little bit crazy by the international community. But you got to be charismatic in person. Mm-hmm. So the trick is, is that everyone – Every country feels like he may be crazy, but personally, me and him are cool. Behind cameras, behind closed doors, we're cool. But at the same time, you've got to be a little crazy and aggressive. So, like, you look at the, when, when Trump met Putin. Did y'all ever see the footage of him when they first shook hands? Uh, first of all, he's like free, and Putin's like. There was uh, actually a meme of it going around, and it said, when you, when, when you shake your boss's hand, <laughs> and, yeah. and and Putin, you know, and it's funny because Trump Putin is, yes, pulled him off his body. He pulled him about a foot. Yeah, he yanked him toward him, like, "Come here, shake my hand, like a man." Yeah, it was like kind of it was kind of bold. It was kind of it was kind of bold. Not that I would think that Putin is not able to handle his own, but it's still, you know, it's a, they know that that's the national stage. They know they're being seen, and Trump knew what he was doing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, because Trump is bigger and stronger than Putin, and he was able to like physically bully him in, in public. And I think Putin actually kind of had a man crush on Trump because of it, which is kind of how that sort of shit works. These psychopathic, you know, if you're like a dominating 
you're the kind of person that will walk out in front of God and everybody on camera with the New York Times there writing about it and grab Vladimir Putin, who's de depicted as this super villain. Just the he's like the new heavyweight main event bad guy. And here you are, you're just grabbing and yanking him off like a rag doll. And then, but y'all are still cool. Like he's, yeah, not, he's like laughing and smiling as you jerk his hand up and down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a mm -hmm. chump, honestly. And like that is the kind of stuff that deters conflict because he's just thinking, like, yeah. man, if just the president can do this to me, and God knows what kind of military they have with all the weapons. Russia has a big military, it's competitive with ours now. It's changed, things yeah. have changed. We've wasted ours. He's, yeah, he's ex-KGB and he's been running the, the shit for like like way longer than a term, like through weird loopholes. Like and then like anyone that has that kind of balls to him to step to him, yeah, he's gonna have a, a shitload of respect for him. That's what it is. Yeah. It's respect. And now you got Biden who no yeah. world leader could respect him at all. He does. I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those, you know, I'm not trying to like be a doctor off TV looking at watching somebody and say diagnosing was some kind of medical condition, but something is super wrong. Like he used to be a really good speaker and very confident and very dominating. Honestly, like Biden would be, would actually have been like 20 years ago, Biden would probably be literally trying to actually fist fight Putin and they'd have to hold him back and stuff. Cause he's just like, he's ex-military and he's kind of a tough guy and kind of not bright. So he's always been sort of emotional and and used his tough guy, you know, I'm a truck driver from Scranton, even though he's not any of those things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's, he's all him and, uh, what's his name, uh, Corn Pop, toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Corn Pop, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, oh, uh, Corn Pop. <laughs> you know, oh, man. Something I never thought, yeah. I never, I never thought there would be a bigger meme of a president than Donald Trump. Like, well done. Like, like somehow funnier than Donald Trump. Because Donald, you know, like an ultimate meme machine you know like mm -hmm. trump in his twitter days like cranking out the memes left and right just constantly something to talk about and then like trump biden is like his whole existence is that like every time he says anything it's just like this is amazing there, how is this not there, a parody there are pages that you have done parodies on every federal and they usually have a guest you know somebody speak or do a voice and with Biden, they don't they don't have to. They literally run his audio <laughs> clips or just show a clip of him talking at the microphone. And everybody's just like, what in the hell is this? Go what is going on? It's just baffling. <laughs> I mean, it's he just have periods where it seems like he just. Um, like, I've done a lot of political speeches myself. Right. And most of the time that I do them, I have a few basic points that I really want to get across and I just go really in depth on those basic points. Right. And I maybe do an outline and I practice it a couple of times and see if it's flowing, but it's kind of like radio or a podcast where like, sometimes you just need words to keep coming out of somebody's mouth so that people keep hanging on for a minute until some better words start coming out. <laughs> and like politicians are champions of that. They'll start, you know, being like, you know, they'll start like talking about, oh, yeah, in 2014, this was happening and blah, blah. And then they're like, see, the important thing is for justice and liberty, you know, for everyone, for all of the people, <laughs> we the people, you know, they just start. <laughs> kind of have have you heard the latest brilliance from the vice president? Oh, hell no. yeah. Oh, Kabbalah Hamlet in the house. Yeah. She, this isn't the, um, she said, on you, you probably already heard where she's talking about. When they asked what we're doing about their war. Mm, so good. 
and she said, you know, Ukraine is a, a, a state, as a country, a small country, blah, blah, blah. Well, just recently she said something else. Uh-oh, we got more? She dropped a new one? Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it now, but I was hoping y'all picked up on it. It's, And it's really one of those, oh, it's the passage of time. She brings up how the, well, we were walking and we talked about the importance of the passage of time. And then she just keeps talking about the passage of time and the importance. She just keeps repeating that and bringing up. And then when the children grow up, there's a lot of importance on the passage of time. It's literally like not even an answer and not even an answer dodge of an answer. It's literally baffling. It's more baffling than what she said about Ukraine. I think her issue is, is that she has never been in this position. Um, she's a prosecutor and she ran for Senate in California, probably not with a whole lot of public appearances where she's being grilled like this. She's usually the griller, not the grillee. And obviously in politics, there's just certain questions you can't answer. Um, Usually when I'm like working on a campaign with a candidate that I'm working with, I'm like, which I've done a few times as a campaign manager, I'm like, you have three topics that we're going to talk about over and over again. And any other topics, we need to find a way to back into those because the more you talk, the more issues you talk about, you just lose votes, basically. Because like, there's no individual person who's going to have the exact same views as you on every single thing. So you need to pick up like the three things that builds your coalition that allow you to, you know, and uh stick with it because you know you blow it if you talk about it and especially in foreign policy if you go to a foreign presser and you let them it's like i saw her screw up um they asked about ukraine and she said that any attack on a nato country is an attack on us all i mean that was world war three mistake you know she's it's like ukraine's not in nato so it's not an attack on nato so <laughs> Uh, neither of those things are luckily the case because we would actually be currently in a nuclear shelter or dead or whatever. It would be all over. We'd, humanity would be like going back a thousand years and there'd be a lot less of us. Whoever no one told her that uh, Ukraine wasn't in NATO. She didn't know that. Yeah, I don't think she knew that or maybe, yeah, I don't think she knew that. I think she might have freewheeled that one and assumed. And that's a major error. That's why, like, generally on foreign policy, if you were given the job of a diplomat or something, you would have, like, certain key talking points, and you would not be trying to say anything other than that. Because every little mistake you make in what you said is interpreted by the locals to mean really major things that could be inaccurate or, you know, it could cause a reaction to what you said. And also, you got all these different cultures, so it's very easy to make a big mistake. You know, so the less you say, the better, especially when you're not a trained diplomat, you know, she's apparently blowing it because it's very often you see her do these foreign um, interviews with the press. It was similar with the root causes thing with the border crisis, like it's already kind of weird to be going to like Colombia and, you know, Venezuela and then complain to them about us having too many people from their country coming over the border. That's just a weird accusation if you think about it 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 doesn't make your relationship better between those countries if you come over there and be like you guys are fucking up so bad that everyone's coming to our country from your place yeah you know what I mean? like that's actually not what it is america is so awesome that people just desperately from all around the world are always trying to get here you know what i mean it's not mm -hmm. new 
it's not caused by a crisis. It's just the, you know, we've created a quality of life and an economy that's the greatest in the history of the entire world ever. So like people are going to desperately try to get here. You know what I mean? Like, why would you not? It's kind of stupid not to. And we should probably let them if they're willing to work and they don't want to come over here and just get free handouts. Meanwhile, our our politicians are trying to sabotage like the core tenets of what makes this country great. It's like, you know, like rule one and two, you can say what you want and you have the ability to defend that. I don't well, think and, and if we didn't have all these 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 public handouts, frankly, you know, there would be less incentive for people that are not looking for work to come here. You know, you're not gonna if you're looking for not having to work and getting free stuff, you're gonna go to a place that's got as many social services as you can get. Yeah, I don't think that many people are actually coming here looking to get those things. I just think there's a certain mm-hmm immigration activists in the democratic kind of side that are trying to create those uh free monies for them and then are desperate to give it to them to try and encourage um voters who are dependent on the state to come here Mm. but the thing is is that's not the majority who's coming here people who are coming here are people that are trying to start a business and they're coming here from places where they're repressed and they're dealing with socialism and they're right you know so they're like we have... they and then they take over an entire half of the state and usually turn it red because they start hearing socialist rhetoric from the Democrats and they're like, whoa, whoa, no way. I'm, they just yep. literally murdered my sister yep. five years ago. I'm not. I've worked with a lot of them, you know, and it, it blow your mind how many foreigners I knew, especially during, you know, the Trump, the campaign, how many were Trump supporters, you know? Yeah, that's not surprising. He actually had a, a historically high votes among African Americans, uh, Latinos, you know, demographically, according to the yeah. vote, you know. Um, still not majorities of, we had majorities of some of the Latino votes in certain um, places. But um, I think that is because he was the cartoon business guy. Yeah. And they're more for the business guy than, you know, I mean, Trump was a caricature. He was a WWE character, and he's a <laughs> WWE Hall of Famer. You know, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So he's aware of like, yeah, no one understands how to get over on crowds and how to like then wrestling. Also, no professional wrestlers ever lost a political race. Fact. <laughs> That's funny. That's you know, races. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I mean, well, he even told, I think it was Oprah that he told in the 80s or the 90s with the with the crowd of ladies cheering him on when he was an admitted Democrat. They were they were like, why don't you run for president? Because he was going off about money and politics and how it was messing with businesses. And and they were like, that's you know, that's great. You should run for president. And they all cheered him on. And he said, no, I'd never run for president. But if I did, I'd run as a Republican because they're easier to sway. And everybody forgot about that because he was a Democrat. Well, he but, ran as an independent in um, 2000. Oh, and that's he, right. Um, in the Reform Party to the left of Pat Buchanan. He was, there's an interview with him in The Advocate, which is a LGBT newspaper. And he was calling Pat Buchanan like everything that he gets called now. 
he was calling him a racist and a homophobe and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Pat Buchanan beat him in the primary. And so he took all of Pat Buchanan's kind of cultural conservative issues and absorbed him into his platform, including America First, everything. He pretty much took Pat Buchanan's platform entirely and just inserted it. Well, being a, being a businessman, I mean, that's what you, you know, that's, that's why he wrote Art of the Deal was based off the Art of War, which they tell any businessman to read because that teaches you it's a strategy. Business is a strategy and campaigning is a business. And he just saw what worked and adopted yeah, And it worked. You know what I mean? Like it's not uh, necessarily rocket science, but it's obvious that he didn't really believe a lot of those things. You know what I mean? Like, especially the socially conservative stuff, like there's no way he believes that. And he just knew he needs the Southern Republicans and they have, they have that. Although I think you can talk to them without using the social conservatism. Um, but he found that to be the obvious way because obviously he got beat by Pat Buchanan on that, who is the master stroke of the politics of the sort of like anti-immigrant Republicans and stuff. Who I think are the worst part of the party myself, honestly, but not necessarily the conservatives who want there to be an immigration policy that's followed and just doesn't care what it is as long as it's followed by the law because they care about the law being followed for purposes of rule of law so that we don't break down into chaos. But like, there's another segment that just, I think is afraid that like people from another country are coming to take our jobs and they have some kind of resentment towards Latinos or something. And that, that group of it is eh, the worst part of the party. Um, appeals to that shittiness, which he doesn't have to do. And that sucks. It's, um, the, the way people the people are so charged about their politics and you know i've only i've only been around long enough to see a handful of elections but um if i, I assume that's that's the case right people were not as much so politically charged say 15 20 years ago or even further back um i think the number of people who are politically charged it was like people that read the newspaper were politically charged. It was way less people. Yeah. Okay. Five years ago. And now it's like highly low information, only headline reading people are dominating the conversation. Many yep. of whom are underage. Mm-hmm. Twitter is like underage. People forget that. You might be debating with a 15 year old. I mean, it, it really just looks like religious zealotry to me. Like it's, it's replaced religion. That's all it is. It's, the- yeah, it's fast moving propaganda with religion. That's actually one reason why uh, the Roman Empire did not allow anyone to vote till they were 30. That's a great idea. We should instill that here. Honestly, I see the point to it because people under 30 are so vulnerable to demagoguing and they have so little like world experience that they fall for every politician's trick. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like if you're you know, one thing that's different, that's, that's people like with the pandemic, like young people were really freaked out and aggressive about it. And some of the older crowds didn't take it serious enough. 
that's because the older crowds had lived through like six or seven pandemics. You know what I mean? Like between Hong Kong flu in 1968, which actually killed, you know, nearly as many people as COVID-19. I mean, not quite, but our population was much smaller and it targeted mainly older people, which there was very few of, but it still killed 250,000 people that year. You know what I mean? Like, um, we've had the swine flu pandemic not that long ago during Obama, um, you know, just numerous pandemics. And there's always been a way that it's been done and it's not the way this one was done. So if you're like a seasoned, you know, you're going to become suspicious of everything the government does because it's not the normal process and it's a really hysterical process. Mm-hmm. And therefore the government starts mandating a vaccine. You might not take the vaccine out of fear when if that had not happened and instead they had just produced a vaccine and you went to the doctor, like the same person who refused the coronavirus vaccine at 75 is the same person who took the swine flu vaccine. I guarantee you because their doctor told them to and they didn't hear so much politics about it. You know what I mean? They may have seen it mentioned in New York Times or something, but they didn't have like every douchebag on your social media like lecturing you. You, you, you weren't incentivized to do it or threatened to do it. Yeah, well, you were just told by your doctor. And yeah. that was the only person you heard from. You didn't hear from dickweeds on social media that you hate or the president that you hate or something. You know, because it's the opposite party. Like, you heard it from literally just your doctor. Your doctor is sitting here and just is the only person that tells you and that you need a medicine. Nine times out of ten, most people are going to go ahead and take it. I mean, most people I know, if their personal doctor is like the only person they've heard about something from, and then they, and they say, and we need you to take this medicine, most people are going to take that. But they blew it because they turned it into a whole you know, propaganda thing through the low information voters, through the people who, you know, listen to the experts, you know, like that immediately triggers any kind of person who's actually a scientist or who's educated because that's not a process. That's not even how science works. You don't just listen to an expert about something nobody knows anything about yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's numerous yeah. experts and they're going to be debated. The, the, the slogan that was driving me nuts is listen to the science or speaking of the science like it was this thing <laughs> then we even had old dr f say i am he literally said i am the science yeah and you know saying- and i was like this man has yeah. fucking lost his fucking mind <laughs> science <laughs> is a process Completely lost his fucking and mind. everything anybody talks about when they argue about you don't believe the science is <laughs> fucking an oxymoron in their speech because that is that's exactly a faith that's a faith argument. Is, yeah Exactly. This is testing things and putting a theory on the test and trying to prove things wrong. There's this broader thing called scientism, and it happens in certain scientific fields that become political, and not all of them do, but it's usually the ones that require government money that get political, right? So, like, take climate science as an example, which, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence that uh, human activity affects global. Uh, carbon levels and there's a lot of different theories about what that means and that ipcc climate change report noted that it's probably the case that we're going to have significant climate change over the next 50 to 100 years that will change like for example a place that's currently a beach might turn into a desert and a place that's currently a desert might turn into a beach or something like that and that it could have serious consequences to certain local communities that might, some of them might become underwater and some other ones might not be underwater anymore. But there is no evidence that the world's going to blow up. But the narrative that's pushed by the scientism around climate change 
is that the world's going to blow up in 10 to 12 years, which is constantly said on my whole life. It's been 30 <laughs> years that I've heard this over and over again. The world's going to blow yeah. up. How many, how many end of the worlds have I lived through? Yeah, AOC claimed this one. Uh, it was going to be 12 years during the first Trump presidency race, right? So that's, we're way, we're getting real close. You know what I mean? It's like, we're about I'm, six, I'm more years. inclined to believe the Aztecs and we already passed that calendar. Yeah, we're in hell. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like a religious obsession with the end of the world. And like, it's not scientific. Now I'm all about, let's pull out the IPCC report and let's talk about like certain places. Like if you're on the edge of Key West, you may not be able to live there anymore in 50 years. You know what I mean? Think about it. It's going to be a serious thing. We can't control it because, you know, first of all, we don't even have control over China at all in terms of their carbon emissions. So we probably need to prepare for the, the reality that it's going to happen and then try to reduce, you know, impact uh, in terms of like energy sources, making them more efficient, which is happening anyway. Well, um, and so also there's a natural occurrence that's going on. I heard about in the late 90s, geologists spoke of, you know, as the planet, every 2000 years, it's, it's shifting. It's going into an ice age or coming out of an ice age or going into a tropical age or coming out of a tropical age. And up until around the turn of the century, we had been coming out of an ice age and we are now going back into a tropical age. So the earth is warming up. We do have global warming, but it is not because of us. It is naturally going to occur and there's nothing we can do about it. It's what right. the earth does. And that's what that's, gets me is nobody's bringing up the oceans. You can look at the oceans and see that they're fucked. But everybody's like the air, the, the sky, this, but you know. Yeah, it's, it's, we've gotten to a point where there's just certain sciences and, and I think uh, disease, infectious disease is one of them also, where they depend so much on government money that they've gotten into politics. And so they, they use scientism to get compliant followers. And it's basically a religion where there's like a priest and he issues dictates. And mm -hmm. then you, if you don't believe in those dictates without evidence, you're a denier right which is what a confessor from the freaking inquisition would call somebody who doesn't accept pathology. it's a witch hunt man it's a witch hunt <laughs> it's a classic witch hunt like salem witch trials and it's like denial you're not guilty that means you're guilty it's kind of like if you you know what i'm saying blasphema blasphemer it's gotten on that point where um you know people have to be taught better ironically the scientific method and logic like nobody debates with logic anymore they use the cable news uh insult style where you use nothing but fallacies absolutely nothing but fallacies it's like somebody's like you know i think the tax should be five dollars less and the other person's like well you know what i think you're a white nationalist you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah well you're what? stupid that's like not even relevant and then meanwhile it's clearly a logical fallacy even if they were a white nationalist if they wanted a five cent less tax that's not relevant you know to whatever that argument is kind of you know what i'm saying it's like a it's like they're poorly taught to think folks that come out of college now somehow they're mm -hmm. taught what to think but they're not taught how to think at all and it's, therefore it's they're, the lack of critical thinking they're not taught critical thinking they're not yeah. taught they're taught to not question things i mean it's like blasphemy Blasphemy, you know, they, freedom of speech is literally the opposition to what blasphemy was, because that was when you spoke against the church, which was the rolling empire, 
then you'd be hung or burned or whatever the hell they did to you. You know, it was blasphemy. And now, you know, if we speak out against certain government policies, it might as well be, but you were, we're socially stoned, you know, we get rocks thrown at us to the extent where people have been physically attacked. And, you know, I think because like, because you made a good point, Barry. The people leading this conversation are the least informed. They're the people just taking sound bites and Facebook articles, right? And really, I think there's two ways you can combat bad ideas. You can combat them with logic and like debate, but most people are unwilling to do that, especially like these, these fundamentalists, whether they're religious or political, they're completely unwilling to engage you. Um, rhetoric. So th- rhetoric. You know what I mean? You you do logic yeah. and debate on a podcast or in a detailed, you know, long form discussion where you're just talking and not listening to anyone else. But if you're, uh, you know, like if you want to do a Facebook long Facebook article and then just not respond to the comments, something that allows you to put all your disclaimers that are going to pre-block all the attacks they're going to throw. But like, otherwise you just got to use rhetoric. You know what I mean? Like, mm. because it's a time of rhetoric. And like low information voters who are demagogues fall for rhetoric. So that's one thing yeah. I've come to believe with politics is you can't use, you have to use the tactics of the time, even if they're dirty. Because if you try to be good, the good if the good guys always don't use the dirty tactics, then evil will always win in politics. You, you beat me to the point. I was going to say the other method of combating bad ideas is humiliation. Like just shame them for being bootlickers. Like, why are you all about sucking the government's dick? That's not cool, bro. Like, that's a conversation people can hear. <laughs> they hate that right now, but I think it hurts them more than it helps them. I think rather than shaming, yeah. what you're gonna do is, is um, like kind of hold them accountable when they do it to you by pointing out what it is. And then, to, and then put them back into the conversation somewhere logical. And then in the world of rhetoric, you have to do that simply. You know what I mean? But I think you can, you can dismiss it real easily. Like if somebody's like, oh, well, you think the water bill should be $29.99, so you're a white nationalist. You know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm a white nationalist because I want a water bill in the $29.99. You know what I mean? All you do is repeat that one back, and it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like. Now, if you if you somebody says that and you're like, oh, oh no, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you start like apologizing. I mean, what the hell? It has nothing to do with anything. So you shouldn't be apologizing. You know what I mean? Like you apologize for things you legitimately did wrong. If that's not what it is, I think the woke mob is able to force apologies out of people that know they didn't do anything wrong. Um, yeah. In a way that is uh, why they end up. You know what I mean? Like you. Because, like, they have sketchy, shady positions. It's hard for one of them to not sound racist if they talk about race for five minutes, especially the white, college-educated, wealthy liberals that are the ones dominating the conversation. These people are so commonly speak about African-Americans assuming so many negative things about them that are not true and unfair, I think because maybe they don't know any or something, because, like, it just... I see them being incredibly racist all the time. I've had some be personally racist towards family members of mine. It's just kind of like, um, 
a rhetorical tool that they use that's effective because everyone's desperately trying to move beyond things like racism and sexism and they don't want to be a part of the problem and they're really open to considering that they might be part of the problem even when they're definitely not being a part of the problem and the other person's just manipulating them and gaslighting them trying to get them to conform to their personal political views that have nothing to do with the issue you know what i mean they're not getting anyone police reform by telling you that if you don't support communism you're a white nationalist you know what i mean like communism would mean not just police having the power to unfairly search you it would be the police like literally having the power to control whether you eat and everything else and if they're systemically racist that's the last thing in the world you'd want to do to communities yeah. that might be impacted negatively by that oh man put that right back on them and dodge it you know i uh one of those i think the you know it goes back to the rhetoric thing and the bottom end of it you know Alice has to be careful of which, you know, which rabbit hole she jumps down these days, because you never know, you know, some of them go deep, some of them go dark, <laughs> and yeah. you don't see what's in there until you're in there, and then it's too late, you know, you don't have any friends at that, at some of, at some of those tables, you know. So, um, we got that show coming up, April Fool's, basement, old school basement. 8th Avenue. 8th Avenue. Basement West. Well, I don't know if they call it West, but it's the basement. The basement. Grimy. Yeah, legendary spot. Legendary people are going to be there. It's going to be a great fucking night. And it's not an April Fool's joke. It's on the day of April Fool's. It's actually happening. It is. Flummox is playing. It's their record release. That's the main point. We're there just... This is our warm-up show with our new lineup. Evan Brewer's in our band now. He's the, the goat on the bass guitar. And um, so we're warming that lineup up. We do have a 20th anniversary show that's being rescheduled from last year because of coronavirus. Now it's the 21st anniversary show, I guess. And uh, that's going to be later this year. We're going to be announcing that at the show. So you want to be there for that. It's going to be a big show with a lot of bands. I'm not sure how much it will have announced at the beginning, but at least the date. And um, yeah, come out to that. Look what I did. If you had not heard us before, look us up. We have no specific genre, so they don't there. Yeah, I, very I, I won't full make of you, energy. Very full we, of energy. We won't make you go far, Alice. You can find Barry and look what I did uh, down below. You can go. You should go ahead and get tickets to the show too. Yeah, Boom. get on them. Yeah. Well, Barry, thank you again so much for being here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate y'all. All right, Alice. I'll see you next time. Take it easy, Alice.